first our sponsor this half hour uh is uh real estate agents i trust we want to real estate agents i trust was developed by me um and my uh my wife and my brother is a side business really that was not really a business it was just can we just connect people to great real estate agents because i've done work with real estate agents some of the best real estate agents according to the wall street journal all around the country for years and i wanted to put the ones that have the same values that you have together with you sell your house fast and for the most amount of money with real estate agents i trust.com go there now real estate agents i trust.com the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenbeck program the virginia abortion bill failed but that's only because one of the co-sponsors said i i, I have to admit i'm new here and i trusted people and i didn't read the bill and i don't want anything to do with this bill it goes way too far give you the update on that and what our responsibility is now also ben sass will be joining us today and pat gray joins me as we begin the show in one minute this is the glenn beck program we've cleared all of the uh commercials out of this uh, first half hour those long commercial breaks and we only stop for one minute uh, twice uh, this time, and here's the first one, and it's our sponsor, Filter By. Getting sick has nothing to do with putting a hat on. You know, our mothers used to say, put a hat on, you're going to get sick. That's not why we get sick. We actually get sick because we spend too much time inside, Mom. In the winter, we spend so much time inside, and the air, it's like it's like living inside of an airplane, for uh you know for months of course you're going to get sick the air is sick itself it's not getting any fresh air that's why we get sick and the best thing you can do is change your filters do it now filterby.com they're going to help you do it you're going to save money you'll also save an extra five percent if you if you ask them to make it even more convenient for you, it's it's amazing to me that they'll you'll save five percent if you sign up for automatic delivery. What that means is you don't ever have to think about it again. It'll just arrive at your doorstep and you'll say, oh, crap, already time to change the filter. And you go up, change the filter, throw the old one away and you're done. Never think about it again. Filterby.com for a healthier winter. It's filterby.com. There's a great article uh, today um, at uh, glenbeck.com written. Well, I just I, I want you just to listen to it. It was written by a friend of mine um, who you may know, and uh, I didn't know his story until he wrote to me. and He said, Glenn, I'm sick to my stomach today. There are moments of clarity in all of our lives, and hopefully you experience such a thing more than just once. But on Wednesday afternoon, on my drive home in Raleigh, North Carolina, I was listening to a, re a recap of the week's news on the radio. What I heard was that a lawmaker in Virginia had brought forward a bill to expand abortion access <clears throat> and remove restrictions on, on the procedure currently in place in the state. The reporter said, you'd expect this sort of legislation in New York or California, but it seems out of character for the state of Virginia. 
My fingers slowly tightened around the steering wheel. Audio played of Kathy Tran, a delegate from Fairfax County, explaining the substance of the repeal act to her colleagues on the floor. I don't know about this moment or this bill, and I don't know why it drew out such a strong reaction from me. After all, the state of New York just passed a very similar measure only a week ago, and I went on with my day. But this afternoon, my vision blurred and my stomach tightened. Something was wrong, and I could feel the most subtle shockwaves going up my arms to my neck, discomfort and rapid breathing. I got through the next stoplight, and I pulled the car over. I turned it off, and I just sat there for a few minutes, focusing on my breath. I've never experienced this. I think this was a moment of clarity, the realization of a lie. If you're hearing this, you need to know the backstory. Governor Ralph uh, Northam recently joined WTOP Radio in Washington, D.C., and was asked about the abortion bill dubbed the Repeal Act, which had been causing a stir in the state for a better part of a week. But one of his answers was, quote, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be res- uh, resuscitated uh, if that's what the mother and family desired. Then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother on what to do. The bill sponsored by Delegate Kathy Tran of Fairfax County would allow women to get abortions up until the point of birth if their physical or mental health are considered at risk. To put a fine point on it, Tran was questioned about her bill earlier this week and expressed that it offered no limits on when the abortion could be carried out, including when the mother is dilated and about to give birth. It reduces the number of doctors required to approve termination from three to one, and it lowers the bar significantly for the severity of the health risk. Now, we are talking about the impairment of mental health in addition to the mother's physical health. What does that even mean? Well, making things vague is the point. Something I didn't see coming in the abortion debate, but I'm guessing pro-lifers probably saw it a million miles back. Was that where this was headed the whole time? The first time I had the slightest idea, the slightest thought that the case for abortion might expand to having virtually no boundaries was when the discourse on college campuses began to blend mental and physical harm into a single thing. When is speech violence was a New York Times article in 2017, and it was actually my first hint. The piece described the science behind the stress and how challenges to the nervous system in the form of hurtful or abusive speech can cause long lasting physical harm. And I remember thinking to myself about that talking point in cases of physical harm to the mother. But I moved on with my day on the question of abortion. I have failed the test each time that I can think of for a litany of reasons that all boil down to cowardice. I believe in God. I believe God tests us daily in our lives. On the question of abortion, I have failed the test. My wife and I are both proud parents of an eight-year-old girl. She's the light of our lives and brilliant. 
and I will likely never forgive myself on how I reacted when my then college girlfriend, now wife, came to me and told me she was pregnant. I was a 20-year-old pro-life Republican, fair-weather Christian, and she was my liberal girlfriend who didn't see the world on my way on just about anything. My thought process was then, well, obviously she'll handle it and this will go away. So with my head down, I asked her if that was her plan. It was most definitely not. The idea quite offended her and she walked out. I failed the biggest test of my young life. I like to think I made it right by later stepping up and forming the family that I now have and cherish. It took a lot of work on both of our parts, but after that, my view on abortion changed to match my previous failure. I decided that I was pro-choice, because how could I champion the right to life when I turned away from it in the moment of my being tested? This new view shielded me from another layer of shame, that of hypocrisy. Gradually, other pressing issues led me away from being conservative to being libertarian, an identification I still hold on to and believe to be correct. Abortion is still very much in debate in libertarian circles, as it has been for quite some time, whereas it's settled for conservatives and progressives. I found comfort in the hand-wringing and uncertainty of the libertarian viewpoint. In order to detach myself from the outcome of America's abortion debate, I had to assume three things. First, that they were sincere in the argument that the survival of the mother was of utmost concern to the pro-choice crowd. Second, that the valid debate over when life begins wouldn't be allowed by courts to extend past the time of birth. Third, that while late-term abortions are generally rare and unpopular, the legality of the practice was not going to extend beyond the most progressive corners of America. The quick rise and fall of the Repeal Act in Virginia unravels all of these things. I taught myself to believe about the ab uh, abortion debate, that it had boundaries, that it was about people trying to defend life in exceptional circumstances, both on the side of advocacy for the unborn and the women carrying them. But it's simply not true. And this week, I saw it. The radicalized left in 2019, supported by a new wave of true believers who consider physical and mental harm to be entirely subjective concepts, is not going to stop expanding the religion of choice. Governor Northam made it clear in his admission that the fates of children could be decided on after the fact of their birth. This wasn't a slip up or miscommunication. It was the mask coming off an ideology of death that had now been mainstreamed. I just didn't have the courage and clarity to confront it. Sitting on the side of the road with the keys in my ignition, I wondered if this is what being convicted by God actually feels like. I have prayed for countless years for the Spirit to move me in a way it moves some members of my family when all I've ever felt is silence in my faith. Now you might say I just had a panic attack. I would say it was given to me, and I thank God for giving it to me.
Kathy Tran and Governor Northam revealed the sidelines are no longer the place where I belong. My hope for moderation and wisdom from public officials has not stopped the worst ideas on abortion from being realized and spread. Eventually, more state legislatures will be faced with similar bills that blur the lines of what divines harm. David French wrote in the National Review that the onset of anxiety, depression, the fear of postpartum will soon be tried as reasons for young life to be terminated. He's right. I started my engine and I decided I am now joining the movement to defend the sanctity of life. If you've ever been on the sidelines on this, I hope you'll now join me. Never more than 60 seconds away uh, from the show. You can find that article at glenbeck.com. Let me tell you about 1-800-Flowers and then right back to the show. Uh, relationship number one. Relationship tip number one. It's Valentine's Day. And unless you realize that is kind of important for reasons a man will never understand... Don't fall for the, oh, we don't have to celebrate Valentine's Day this year, honey. It's, as the fish-faced man said in Star Wars, it's a trap. It's absolutely a trap. This season, the biggest and best quality roses are only found at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can get a dozen assorted roses for $19.99 or upgrade to two dozen roses for $10 more. Great offer. Only from 1-800-Flowers.com. But the offer expires today. Roses from 1-800-Flowers picked at their peak and they're shipped overnight. So yours are not going to be picked until the week of Valentine's Day. And that ensures their uh, freshness. So why walk on the beach and talk to your mom about freshness when 1-800-Flowers.com is here? A dozen assorted roses, nineteen ninety nine, or two dozen for $10 more. It expires today. Get it now at 1-800-Flowers.com. Make sure you use the radio code BECK. It's 1-800-Flowers.com. Radio code BECK. We pause now for 10 seconds station ID. Jeez, I hope I, I didn't realize. I thought it was next hour. I hope I haven't made the senator wait too long. Ben Sass is on the phone with us now. Senator, how are you, sir? Is he there? Hey, now a technical problem. This is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> senator, hey, he's just a U.S. senator. Just though. a U.S. That's senator. That's the good thing. The, no big good deal. Thing. No not big a problem. Deal. Uh, senator, are you there, sir? I am. I okay. enjoyed the last segment and your ad, so I'm happy to sit here on cold on wait for a while. Okay, I am Just so sorry to show. make you wait. No worries. No um, worries. So I have to commend you uh, for the way you have handled this. Um, you, can we please play the the quick quote from Ben Sass that came out yesterday, please? Let's be really clear about what we're talking about here. We're talking about fourth trimester abortion, mm. or what anyone in the normal world calls infanticide. That's what we're talking about. And the governor of Virginia has been defending this all day yesterday and again today. 
going out and trying to equivocate and qualify and then double down and again say he wants to defend this practice, which is infanticide. Everyone in the Senate ought to be able to say unequivocally that killing that little baby is wrong. This doesn't take any political courage. And if you can't say that, if there's a member of this body that can't say that, there may be lots of work you can do in the world, but you shouldn't be here. You should get the heck out of any calling in public life where you pretend to care about the most vulnerable among us. You, I was reading last night about colonial America and uh, abortions, and you sound like Lord Baltimore. He said that very thing about somebody who was in uh, uh, government who was involved in an abortion. And he said, get out. You have no place in public service. Thank you for that. Can you tell me what has happened to us? What is going on with these abortion bills? I honestly don't. I don't know. I can't understand what is going on in in uh, Virginia, in New York. I guess there are some other states in New England looking at this crap. Two others. This is how far. Yeah, this is how far the radical pro-abortion lobby has driven this conversation. Fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, Bill Clinton's uh, argument was, "Well, abortion's bad, but we can't make everything bad illegal, and so we need abortion." This is Bill Clinton talking. We need safe and legal, but we want it to be rare. Now they're talking about keeping a baby comfortable while doctors stand around and have a debate about infanticide. It is truly bizarre what Governor Northam is out there defending. So I, 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 I want to believe that this is some sort of game that the Democrats are playing to get their side worked up for the next um, uh, the, the next election. Uh, they're going to turn it into the right is going to just try to take away all right to uh, for women uh, and women's bodies or that they are just trying to move the Overton window and be so crazy that we're all like, OK, come on, first term, uh, you know, f- you know, first trimester abortions. I mean, I think we all agree on that, but I don't think so. I think I think this is evil. I think this is gone. I think some of these people. Uh, who are at the top of the the Democratic Party really do believe what Peter Singer teaches, and that is you have a right until this child really sees and recognizes that there is a tomorrow, you have a right to kill it. Yeah, I I don't. I'm one of eight people, I think, in the Senate who's never been a politician before, so I'm not going to pretend I'm any good political prognosticator. I don't know where all these motives uh, come from, but I know that I know that the pro-life movement is going to win eventually uh, because it's on the side of dignity. It's on the side of science. Mm -hmm. It's on the side of love. And there's all sorts of legislative stuff we need to do. I'm the I'm the lead sponsor in the Senate for the last three years of the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. We're going to try to move some expedited expedited floor consideration of that on Monday. Um, but the most important thing we can do in this movement is continue talking with our friends and our family and women who are going through unbelievably hard circumstances often and keep telling the truth in love because these are babies. And it's really not that complicated to celebrate human dignity and to talk about these babies. And we've got Governor Northam out there just cowardly ducking again and again, you know, unwilling to say that it's wrong to leave a newborn baby to die cold and alone. Senator, this is the first time I've seen politics go like this, where this is this is not it doesn't feel like this is a 
um, campaign kind of thing. This feels like a turning point in American history. And I'm I'm a little shocked that more people aren't up in arms about this and aren't standing up even from the Democratic side, because I don't think the Democratic voter, the voters in Nebraska that vote for Democrats, they don't believe this stuff. But they're being told if you and you'll see it uh, online, the social media spin is, oh, that's not true. It's not like that in the bills. And that's not what this means. And it is in the bill. It is. Uh, what, what we're talking about here should be so far beyond Republican and Democratic politics. We're talking about the fact that if you can't say it's wrong to leave a baby to die uh, when that baby survived an abortion, uh, you have no place in public life. This is not complicated. And, and frankly, now that the Democratic Party's um, some of their leaders, not all of them, uh, but some of their leaders have started to do this. I think every single Democrat in America should have to answer whether or not they're with those little baby girls or whether they're with Governor Cuomo and Governor Northam. It frightens me knowing history that even the Germans, the people who voted for Hitler, when they found out infanticide was happening, they stood up against the T4 program. Then it just was hidden. But they forced Hitler to say, oh, you're right. We wouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. I mean, those people, they were crazy and they stood up against it. And we seem to be kind of quiet about it. Yeah, I, I don't think, though, that even Planned Parenthood's PR army and a national media that's decidedly pro-abortion, I don't think that even that grouping is going to be able to duck the fact that what we're talking about here is infanticide. I hope when so. When you hear Northam's comments on that radio show yesterday, where he says, oh, you know, people should know that I'm sure that the baby will be will be kept warm and comfortable for oh a little bit. Oh, my gosh, until uh, we kill it. Mm. the debate about infanticide. Oh, my gosh. Okay, um, Senator, I've got a break. If you have to go, I understand if you can hold on i'd like to continue a conversation with you but thank you thank you thank you for being a voice of reason and once again standing up and saying the right things you're listening to glenn beck all right i want to talk to you about x chair x chair the i mean you can get the well pat you have a crappy chair in your studio (laughs) yes yes Yes, i do yes you do how do you how do you like this one? Uh, much better. Yeah, much this better. Is awesome. We should get you an X chair. I mean, you have a bad back. Uh, then yeah. It, then uh-huh. again, you know they're not that expensive. You could get an X chair. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. You know, <laughs> I'm considering it. Yes. Yes. Uh, an X chair. The office chairs are not all the same. And I don't know if you've ever sat back in this, but lean back all the way. I think this is as comfortable. Well, maybe Stu doesn't have it, so you can lean all the way back. No, he, oh, he doesn't have it like yours. Oh, yeah, man. I it, need that adjustment because that's nice. It is as comfortable as like a, a recliner. Mm. X-Chair and X-Chair Basic. It is affordable and the greatest chair. Get one now. Save 100 bucks and get a free footrest if you use the promo code BECK. 844-4X-CHAIR or xchairbeck.com. Join us for another Blaze TV live event this Tuesday as we cover the State of the Union address. I will be in Washington with the rest of the crew, 730 Eastern, Facebook, YouTube, Blaze TV. iPatriots.us is a new conservative alternative to liberal-based email services. It's secure, private, and safe, no ads or spam. And they won't collect or sell your data ever. Go to iPatriots.us right now, pick your membership. At checkout, select your own iPatriots email address, enter promo code PATRIOT, get the first month free. Go month to month, cancel any time. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. On Monday, I'm going to be doing a special show on abortion and these laws that are being passed and what they mean. And I'm doing it to prepare you to be able to go out with your friends and have these conversations. I hear people saying, that's not true. That's not what's in the bill. I also hear people saying, I wish I had this fact or that fact. I, can, I can't ever remember the stats. Oh, I wish you were there when, uh, when I was having this conversation with my friend. I'm going to make it very easy for you on Monday to be able to pretty much have the resources that I have at your disposal at any time on this issue. We have entered a new era. We have entered a very dark period, and I believe the beginning of the time where I have said, if we, if we go dark, we will be worse than the Nazis. We will make the Nazis look like rookies. And the reason why I say that is because we have technology. <clears throat> it was barbaric to try to change somebody's eyes to blue, but now it's not so barbaric because we can gene splice. But it wasn't, it wasn't just the idea of, well, they had to inject ink into eyes. It was that you don't want to create a super race. What are we doing? And now we're talking about euthanasia on one end and infanticide on the other end. And we're going to a single-payer health care system. That's, it is in the cards, gang. We're going that direction. And if that happens, you have nothing to rely on except the state. And when the state is misbehaving, where do you go? Who do you call? Who's going to stop the state from doing things? I want to show you and bring Pat into the conversation. Pat, we have been together for 30, 30 years. years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen anything this disturbing Ever? I don't I don't think so. We used to remember when we found bioethicist Peter Singer from Princeton. Yes. And the things he said, like it'd be OK to to put children down to kill them up until two years, uh, old. Like two years old. But then he apologized. Do you remember that? Yeah, he did. He apologized. And he said it wasn't far enough. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have put the two year shouldn't age have put limit, the two on year limit on that. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. And we thought. Okay, this this guy is out he's of his crazy. mind. He's crazy, or he's just trying to make a point and get people to think. But I think he's crazy. And uh, now you've got governors of states agreeing with him, essentially, by saying you can kill a baby after it's born. Did you ever think we'd get there? I, I didn't ever. You want to talk about? There. You want to talk about trigger language? Oh. You want to talk about mm -hmm. the ideas that can trigger people. Um, what about this? Is this not traumatizing? Now, I say we have this debate. We have to. But if you go by their rules, this is traumatizing to even, even mm -hmm. suggest that women have the right to kill their newborn baby. But it's not traumatizing to the left. And I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the Democrats in the in the middle of the country i do not believe that they are for this in fact almost every poll taken shows that only the most hardcore of hardcore believe this 15 percent of the pro-choice people okay 
So, so if twenty five percent of pro choice, fifteen percent oh, yeah, right, overall, you're right. You're right. Twenty five percent of the pro choice people, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, overall, fifteen percent of the choice to pro choice. So that is not anywhere close to the majority of people. Now, maybe the people in your neighborhood do believe in fanticide. I don't think they do, no matter who they vote for. But this isn't disturbing to the uber left. And let me give you a couple of examples. First, let me go to the extremes, the Bernadine Dorn and the Bill Ayers of the world. Do you remember this audio from the FBI agent that had infiltrated the uh, weather underground? Listen. I brought up the subject of what's going to happen after we take over the government. Uh, you know, we, we become responsible then for administrating, you know, 250 million people. And there was no answers. No one had given any thought to economics. How are you going to clothe and feed these people? The only thing that I could get was that they expected that the Cubans and the North Vietnamese and the Chinese and the Russians would all want to occupy different portions of the United States. They also believed that their immediate responsibility would be to protect against what they called the counter-revolution. And uh, they felt that this counter-revolution could best be guarded against by creating and establishing re-education centers in the Southwest. Uh, where we would take all the people who needed to be re-educated into the new way of thinking and teach them how things were going to be. I ask, well, what is going to happen to those people that we can't re-educate, that are die-hard cap capitalists? And the reply was that they'd have to be eliminated. And when I pursued this further, they estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill 25 million people. Mm. So this has been a part of the uber left's philosophy for a long time. This is what communists do, quite honestly. And you're seeing now the mass come off and people claiming they're socialists, but they're really not socialists. They're not Swedish socialists because that's not a socialist country. Venezuela is a socialist country. Sweden is a capitalist country with a gigantic welfare state. And while that flirts with socialism, that is a capitalist country with a so with a uh, uh, a welfare state attached to it. That's us. Socialists always have to go down the road of seizing assets, taking things that aren't theirs and paying for these things. And when that money runs out, well, what are you going to do? You have to start eliminating people. You have to start eliminating those who are fighting against you because the state is supreme. Remember, it was it was the Barack Obama science czar, John Holdren, who also in the 1970s, when it was OK to think like this, said we should uh, put sterilants in the drinking water. Of, of the United States. And it was okay. Why was it okay? Well, if you believe that man is a virus, if you believe that man is responsible for global warming, if you believe that the earth just cannot handle this many people, it's your moral and responsible thing to do 
to kill people, to save the collective. So the individual no longer matters. And if you think that it might just be tolerable to just the crazies, here's the guy that everybody says would win against Donald Trump talking about China. Joe Your Biden policy has been one which I fully understand. I'm not second guessing of one child per family. Oh. The result being that you're in a position where one wage earner will be taking care of four retired people. So he's not he understands the one child policy. Well, what? Why does he understand that? Well, because their population is too big and it's unsustainable. So what does the one child policy mean? Well, you have to indoctrinate people to believe that they have a right to only one child and if they do have a second child, the state can come in and story after story proves it to be true that they can come in and take that child and drown it in the front of the house in a rice paddy and move on. Because life has no meaning. It also includes forced abortions and sterilization of, sure does. of the people. Sure does. And what happens to the people? They go so dead inside. Do you remember the video of the truck that hit a child and killed the child in the streets of China? And it was captured by a, 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 a video camera up on a building mm-hmm. and people just walked by the dead body? Yeah. The kid was so desensitized. So desensitized to life and death that mm-hmm. it meant nothing. This is how you get there. All these warnings over the years that, that talk about Nazi Germany, it was never that we are currently Nazi Germany. It is, hey, this, you know, Germany started somewhere too. Germany started with policies that at first people thought, eh, that's, that's not going to happen. And then they'd be enacted. And then they went to the next step. And then the next step. And before long, they were these evil uh leaders and completely out of control and it was too late for anybody to do anything about it and the people were in denial yeah people think about what we're doing here gang we are being asked to deny the truth of what we see okay we saw last week those covington students we saw them we saw the video we know what the truth is But the mainstream media decided that that is not the truth. And they're asking us to not believe our eyes. And it's happening on both sides of the aisle, quite frankly. There are times that both sides of the aisle will ask their crew, just deny what you think, what you see, what you know, deny it. Well, that leads you eventually to be a group of people that see ashes come down like snow and no one says a word about it because you have to deny what you see you you get to a point to where the the germans were denying what they knew to be true based on what they could smell and what was falling on them from the sky they were still in denial it's the normalcy bias yes they want to believe things are normal yes nobody wants to believe their society is completely out of control and uncivilized nobody wants to believe that so they chose not to 
it is why I have been saying you have to have courage of conviction. You have to stand now because it's not going to get easier than it is right now. If you're afraid right now, I'll lose my position at work. I, I will lose my friends. Those in the media, I will lose my audience because I'm not saying the things my audience wants to hear. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And you must stand for the truth. Otherwise, boy, these sayings from the past that we have quoted so often are taking on new meaning now. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to stand is to stand. Not to speak is to speak. We empower. We, Pat and I have asked for forgiveness because for so many years we didn't speak up because... We just couldn't take on any more hits. We're not going to take that on, too. What a mistake that was. To our eternal shame, what a mistake that was. It's past time. There will not be any sidelines. Whether you speak or risk today or not, it will put you in the stands and only standing and speaking with courage today will put you on the right side of the field. I'd like to invite you to take a risk-free trial on an investment course that uh, we've had uh, former Wall Street uh, hedge fund manager Tika Tawari create just for you. It's an education course, and it's designed to help people starting out with a very small amount of money, hopefully grow it into a much larger pile of money. And while Bitcoin, um, you know, isn't where we thought or hoped it would be at the start of this year, Signs are positive that it should be going up this year. In fact, they're more than positive. It is just it's public sentiment. It's not based in reality. A lot like the Wall Street, except in reverse. Now, this new course is not right for everybody, but it is for every man or woman who has ever felt lied to and cheated by the financial establishment. It's for anybody who lost 30% more of their retirement in the 08 crash or those who have totaled up their savings and investments and come to the terrifying realization. You're not going to, you're not going to quit your job until you die. It's for those of us who are really ready to take the small risk right now on something new for a chance of amazing results. But I, I urge you to educate yourself before you do anything. Educate yourself. Go to smartcryptocourse.com. That's smartcryptocourse.com. Or call 877-PBL-BECK. That's 1-877-PBL-BECK. Smartcryptocourse.com. On Monday, you don't want to miss uh, our uh, our program dedicated to the truth about abortion and those that are pushing it uh, and and this new cliff that we've just gone over. Um, let me just play a little bit of the chair of ethics at Princeton University, Peter Singer. On- I said it's speciesist. I mean, it's it's limited to human beings. It, it says that biologically being a member of the species Homo sapiens is enough to make your life more sacred, more entitled to protection 
than the life of, for example, a chimpanzee who is not a member of our species, who is far more self-aware, far more rational, far more capable of emotionally connecting with other beings, with loving uh, her child, let's say, if it's a female chimpanzee, um, than uh, a, a human being with uh, an encephaly, the condition we were talking about, uh, could ever be. Um, that seems to me just just a, a mere prejudice in favor of members of our species. Wow. Okay, so I think he's wow. he's both right and wrong. Uh, you know, they're, they're more rational. Well, they also throw their poop at things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other thing is, they may be more compassionate because they don't kill the unborn and their newborn babies. Yeah. So he may be right <laughs> Not about Not the point that. he was making. No, but no. Still. Uh, every day we ask you, hey, buy something from, you know, this advertiser or that. We do because we have vetted these advertisers and we know that they have a product that could be of use to you. Um, I choose to partner with certain companies and certain products because um, they are people that share the same belief as well. And they go beyond. Ask yourself seconds. why you buy from certain companies and don't buy from others. I didn't. I stopped a transaction halfway through at Dick's because I remembered. Oh crap! You're Dick's. I was just looking at you at a sporting uh, sporting goods store. No, I'm not going to do business with you. The same could be said with your phone service. Please switch to PatriotMobile.com. You're going to get great cell service. Great cell service. Same coverage. But you're not going to have that company giving all that money to Planned Parenthood and undo everything you believe in. PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. Go there now. Your activation fee is waived and it's great service. Right now, 1-800-A-PATRIOT or PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, if you're a longtime listener of the program, you know that it is Super Bowl. Uh, it is the big game weekend. Uh, and uh, and that means that Stu is gone today and Monday because he goes every single year. So how do I approach the big game weekend without somebody who really knows it? Don't worry about it. We have it covered Andrew Heaton joins me about the big game in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. And you're good and you're good on on football, right, Andrew? Oh, yeah. OK, yeah, yeah. I've got a whole list of things because I'm not. Yeah, because I'm not good at football. You know that and you're oh, good. I don't know anything about it, but I've got suggestions on how to fix it. I know the two teams playing. That's it. <laughs> Oh, well, so you're better than I am. Uh, a security a security breach occurs when an intruder gains unauthorized access to an organization's protected system or data, right? That's what a security breach is. Security breaches are happening now all the time. Uh, and we used to just have to worry about banks and things like that. Now it's data banks. It's your phone. It's your iPad. It's it's your computer. Anything that has personal information, they can get it now. It's really it's really disruptive. And there are countries that are trying to do it to the average American, not just countries trying to hack into Citibank. They're hacking into your stuff. 
lifelock.com promo code back this is the way to stop it nobody can protect you from all of the bad stuff that's out there but these guys are absolutely the best use the promo code back at lifelock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK you're going to get 10 percent off the service which will alert you will monitor and if there is a problem they have somebody based here in the u.s that is a specialist that's going to work hand in hand with you to get it fixed lifelock.com use the promo code back save 10 percent now 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com promo code back you know i i i've i've heard from people because they don't you know i don't listen to sports radio but i've heard from people that they absolutely hate it when uh, sports radio starts talking about politics because they know nothing about it and they're idiots. So we have always made it our policy to stick to the things we know. For instance, science, deep science, mathematics, things like that. And of course, on, on the big game weekend, we do talk a little bit about sports because while I don't have uh, real knowledge of sports, uh, we are surrounded by people who really know it inside and out and andrew heaton is not one of those people but welcome to the program <laughs> thank you you're welcome good, good to be here you know what? Sure. i i think it's kind of like uh i assume that my friends who are parents enjoy hearing about my theories on parenting because i don't have any kids and well, that's you know, a fresh perspective i will tell you this sometimes it's the people who who aren't involved at all mm-hmm. that have the clearest look at it Thank you. I agree. And that's right. why I spent this morning coming up with awesome ways to improve American football for the big game. Can I lay a couple of these on you? Sure. All right. So I think everyone can get behind this. Okay. Uh, no more referees. Only very judicious cheerleaders. I think that that is, first of all, that's giving props to the cheerleaders. And second, win for everybody. I like the cheerleaders. So wait, they're on a team. Uh, you'd have impartial cheerleaders from Canada. You'd have uh, cheerleaders who understand the game but aren't on either team playing. So you've got like a third team of cheerleaders. They're now the refs. They would wear uniforms that are black and white. But I, but I think that they in Canada play a different kind of football. That's possible. I'm going to have to look into that. All I just right. assume okay. everybody's well, playing with an egg-shaped ball. From, okay. yeah, let's so that's, that's one of them. All right. So this next one. Uh, my okay i think sports a lot of it is sublimated warfare it's that kind of like we're going to go fight the other team impulse right yeah yeah. and i think football in particular because it's very it's about kind of staging your troops it's Mm -hmm. it's sort of like napoleonic warfare right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so from now on each Mm -hmm. team gets a horse everybody gets one cavalry unit i think that that would fundamentally alter the game So only one horse one horse you don't have a line of horses. anything more than that would be excessive and ridiculous right one horse that's the same choice just right. one horse per team if i remember right i think there was an old disney movie like i don't know the nutty professor or something like that maybe have been son of flubber where they had a horse with a helmet on i i'm i know i saw Maybe I made this up in and, my and head. And they've got airbuds, so animals are pretty good at football. That's yeah. what I've learned from Disney. Now yeah. they wouldn't be catching. No, no, no. I think I think that it would be someone. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what the what the strategy would be. I mean, that would be more of a Tom Brady call. But you know, presumably, if you're like the you know the wind back or whatever, yeah. and it's your job to get the ball from the other guy, sure. Uh, then like you know, you could. I'd rather have a horse. And I'd, Tom Brady is of is the coach, right? He uh, he's the quarterback. He's the quarterback. However, okay. how would you know? Because, you know, there's, there's no 
There's no costuming that identifies him. Like if you're in the Navy, you're like, oh, that guy's a captain. Look, he's got those, uh, he's got those, those epaulets and things. Now, it doesn't happen with football, which is why I think that the quarterback should have to wear a cape. Okay. All right. Uh, now, the, because the team members may not know who the quarterback is, because I know a lot of people in the stands won't know which one exactly. is the quarterback. I can't tell. They all look the same to me. Right. That's but not a racial the, thing. That's a football thing. Right. But maybe it's maybe it's just for the fans, or is it for well, is the cape to identify? Hey, which one of my friends is the quarterback, or is the cape for the for the fans that aren't there at practice all the time? That's a very good question. You know, I think any team that's worth its salt is probably doing a lot of trust-building exercises. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, chances are you're going to recognize the quarterback. Right. If, I were, if I were the coach, I'd be doing that sufficiently. Uh, it's, I think, for the fans so they can identify them because otherwise how would you know where the quarterback is? And they don't, you know, they don't tackle. It's always a big deal when they tackle the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe that's because the other team is confused. Which one of you guys? That's entirely possible. This, at that point, you're just going off of hand signals. And right. Things. So it might make it uh, a little faster. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing, too. And, and Tom Brady probably wouldn't last as long mm-hmm. because he would have been tackled a lot more. And this, this is an actual, this is a real fundamental thing. No more timeouts. None of that. If you watch rugby, rugby, they're like, we're going to do it from six to eight. And it's just two hours of continuous play. They get like one timeout each. No more timeouts in football. You don't get to do that anymore unless there's some sort of issue involving horse rights. Like, I could see the SPCA getting involved. Or if somebody's trampled by a horse. Yeah, but, you know, we don't take timeout during war. Uh, so Yeah, but this isn't real war. That's true. It's not real you know. war. Yeah, okay, fine. If someone gets kicked in the head by a horse, you get a horse break of okay. like eight minutes to deal with it. Do you get a penalty if someone is, if the horse is, if because you, you know you can't walk behind a horse. Right. Don't do that. So you would never have the horse be the person that goes down with a football and throws the football between his back legs. Yeah. No, that's yeah. For, for safety reasons, you'd want to avoid that. Plus, it would be on your team. Right. Right. So you, so the, you, you wouldn't have no incentive to do it. Right. Because the quarterback would get kicked in the head. Yeah. I think I think the bigger issue is probably horse steroids. You just want to make sure that horse is clean. Sure. Uh, you don't want to have any any. Otherwise, a regular horse, a thoroughbred could look like a Clydesdale. Right. Exactly. And they, but yeah. you know, you don't want an Appaloosa coming right. off like a Clydesdale. Right. You, know, you want it to yeah. be OK. So. Uh, uh, another thing, because mm-hmm. again, I think this is sublimated warfare. Um, you could have a third team just watch the game. So, like uh, th- this, uh, hold on. So th- this this coming up big game, it's the Falcons and the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say you had the Texas Rangers. Now, I'm aware that the Texas Rangers are a baseball team. That's fine. They can come to the game, sit in the stands, and then just charge the field and try and take the ball. Got another idea. Now, they got to bring a horse, but if they can do it, they win the game. Okay, hang on. I got another idea. Have you ever played Chinese checkers? Yeah. Okay. Take a football field, okay, left and right, 100 yards. Okay. Now put another football field and put it in the center. Whoa. So now you are playing two games nice. with one ball. Okay. okay. Yeah. And you've got them facing off. Everybody's trying to get that ball, and you can run it in Two different, uh, sorry, four different directions. Ooh, I like this. You, you could totally do that, too. If you had, like, really thick plexiglass that was transparent, still fun for fans to watch. Because now you could see, like, well, you got Tom Brady and the foot soldiers up top, and you got the horse units down at the base level. And you could see what's going on. Maybe you'd have, like, a... Oh, no, no like I'm a, not talking about that. I'm talking about it's the same... No, you take a football field, uh-huh. and then on the same plane, you have another football field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying right. you should make the second one transparent so you can see through the first one. No, you don't understand. This is not that complex. 
Well, is, see, is, uh, Glenn, I'm sorry. I'm coming here with legitimate right, well, reform I, ideas, and you're just you're and just pitching, I'm starting to question you're, you're, some you're, of your. You're getting into structural I mean, you design. Getting, for I feel. was buying into the you know the cape and the costuming thing because yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah. think like the like the Browns. I think it's the Browns. I'm not sure, but one of them wears costumes that are it's like uh, this really bad brown. It's like a poop brown. Uh, and a lighter poop brown, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not good. Yeah. And I think those costumes are holding them back. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also think uh, mascots should be armed. Uh, I think mascots should have some kind of deadly weapon. I want to clarify, I don't think we should relax any murder laws, still against the law to kill people, but you would know that the mascot has a loaded gun, and every once in a while, the camera would come in, and you just see the mascot staring at Tom Brady, and you're like, I think that mascot's thinking about killing Tom Brady. And that adds a really interesting psychological uh, psychological dimension of the game. And it might be better because we don't want to have, you know, the NFL doesn't want any more trouble. Yeah. So stay away from on. guns, maybe like a giant mace. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. that'd be neat. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally go for that. And that actually, that kind of fits with the cavalry thing more. And you could, I mean, instead of the shoulder pads, why not just put them in armor? That, okay. I would, if, if Stu called me and he's like, hey, I got tickets to the big game. You want to come? I'd be like, ah, I, will I be able to see the commercials from the, from the stadium. That's exactly how if, I would. If not, I don't know. Yeah. But if Stu were like, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going over to the, um, the, the football field. There's a bunch of guys in, in armor that are just going to wail on each other with maces. I'd be like, yeah, I'll go watch that. I'll watch a melee combat. Sure. I've changed my mind because I've, I've realized that what we've just created is the medieval times. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't like that. you got a birthday coming up. Can we go to there for your birthday? <laughs> All right. Uh, back in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is Simply Safe. No one should feel unsafe at home. Now you're on a football field and the mascot's got a mace. That's a different thing. But fear has no place in anyone's home. And that is Simply Safe's mission from day one. They're running a commercial for, I can't even say, I hate this so much, The Big Game. Do you know why people are saying that on radio and television? The Big Game? You didn't know this until yesterday. I, I had no idea until yesterday. Apparently, I'm not allowed to say it. You can say The Big Game. Can you say just the big can't game. say SB. Can you say it backwards? Sure. So I could say The the Bowl El Super? Sure. Okay. Sure. You're right. Or El Super. Sorry. Yeah. El Super. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. So uh, uh, it, we can't say that because uh, it's an officially licensed product of the NFL. So it leaves us sounding like we're idiots calling it the big game. But anyway, they're going to be running a commercial on the big game. The only reason why that's interesting, at least to me, is because they started with us. That that We were their first advertising and they were... Like this company that was just had this crazy idea. And they were like, look, we've we've done this with our friends and it just caught on. And we think we have a business. And I'm like, come on. I think this is great. Now they protect. I think it's like three million American homes right now. They're starting to go into other countries. It is the greatest success story. And the guy who started it, the guy who came up with the system he always wanted to be like his grandfather and his grandfather was a tinkerer and he I, and I honestly I don't remember what it was but he's the guy who invented one of the most important things in the modern tank during World War II. Thank you. He helped us win the Second World War and nice. so he always wanted to be like his grandfather and now he is. 
keeping Americans safe. Round-the-clock professional monitoring. Make sure that police are on the way or fire when you need them, and it's only $14.99 a month. You own this system. There's no wires. There's no games. It's simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Get 10% off the system and free shipping. Simplysafebeck.com. We break 10 seconds. Station ID. Now, um, you know I'm against abortion, and and most in this audience are against abortion. Uh, So I apologize for our Super Bowl coverage uh, in the last 10 minutes. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Monday, I want to remind you that I'm doing a show on uh, abortion, because I think what I see in uh, social media is the left is trying to convince you that these things aren't true. And people are saying uh, the, the bill allows you to have an abortion, uh, you know, when the woman is having uh, when she's dilated and in, 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 in delivery. That's not true. That's not in the bill. Yeah, it actually is. And so what I want to do on Monday is equip you with all of the facts and we're going to put them on Glenbeck.com. So you have them. We'll highlight them. We'll give you the full text. We'll give you the argument back and forth with the people who sponsored the bill. Um, and so you'll be able to hear all this and you'll be able to share it. Don't share it with your friend and say, I got this from Glenn Beck, because then that just shoots it all to hell. We're going to give you the actual facts raw so you have them so you can have a decent conversation with your friends who might be putting their heads uh, in the sand. Now, Andrew is a uh, well, you were an abortion doctor for many years. No, Um, he's a libertarian who you believe in murder. Yes, I, I think yes. As, as, long, as long as you've got a good reason, I'm fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. So you believe that, uh, uh, you know, murdering children is wrong. Yeah. You're just kind of, I think, like most people, when it gets to when is life created? I probably have a later start time. Uh, yeah. yeah, but and you're I, still I, first trimester. Yeah, something like I mean, right. I, I don't have the exact date worked out in my head, but... Yeah. But uh, no, and I think this is a subject which is always going to make me uncomfortable because I, I doubt that I'm ever going to be 100% either direction. Because in my mind, I, I do, yeah, I'm very anti murder. I'm particularly <laughs> anti murder when it comes to children, not <laughs> killing children. At the same time, though, uh, I, don't think, I don't think that it's a kid, you know, day two after conception. And were I to force somebody to carry it to term at that point, I almost view that like a form of slavery, which is libertarian. Kind of a fundamental precept is you own your body. Mm-hmm. You, you lose your rights once you're talking about someone else's body. But once you, let's say, heartbeat, brain, you know, there's a body in there, then you then that changes for you because you're like, that's yeah, a I mean, body. I don't uh, again, I don't know the exact the exact threshold I'd put it here, but, but yeah, like it's, I, I would, let's say, you know, third, third trimester abortion would very much bother me because at that point I, I can look at that where, where for me, where it's uncomfortable is there is some, there is some gray area for me and I don't know how to do it. So where I'm either trampling on someone's rights or I'm killing a kid. I know. But when you get into the third trimester, I'm like, at that point, I don't really feel like it's up for debate anymore. <laughs> no. that, at that point you're killing a kid. And I'm against yeah. it. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I think that's where most people are and they don't think about it and they don't want to think about yeah. it and they don't want to think about it for a few reasons. 
Um, it's an uncomfortable topic. Yeah, it is an uncomfortable topic. And there is for most people, there is a couple of hurdles that are hard to get over. For instance, rape and incest. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't want to be the the I don't want to be the judge. I don't want to be involved in that decision. You know what I mean? I don't want to as an outsider say no, Um, even though me personally, I believe it is murder. I don't I am not to the point of, for instance, and this is going to hack off a lot of people possibly, but I I am the uh, day after pill. If it truly is the day after or the moment after, you're like, hey, you have that cigarette. I'm going to pop this pill. I'm I'm not sure I classify that as abortion. Um, I And that's hard because I do believe in a soul and everything else. I'm just not sure. So it's a gray area. Yeah. But if that's what we were talking about is abortion, I would be so okay with it or at least i could i could sleep at night somewhat but where the direction we're heading once that child and this is a slippery slope it used to be well once that child is viable it's murder well science is making it more viable earlier and earlier and earlier Mm -hmm. you know what i mean we're getting to a place to in 10 15 years you will be able to just fertilize an egg and grow it in a sack. We're already there being able to grow sheep in a sack. So it is actually viable. So Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd have to, if for, for me, coming from a non-spiritual direction on it, I'd have to approach it more in terms of, is, is there an entity that is feeling and aware of pain? Does it have mental cognition of some form? Th- those are the kind of things. And that, that's, again, why I'm going to be so uncomfortable, because I don't think I can fully know um, where... Where I've kind of gone back and forth is uh, I, I used to take a very uh, cautious and conservative approach of like, let's just err um, on the side of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, where I've kind of swung back the other direction is uh, I was talking to somebody and they went, if, if, if the woman's life is under threat, would you be OK with it? And I went, yeah, if, if there's a chance of death. And they went, well, what if it's, you know, let's say 50 percent. Sure. What if it's 8 percent? Yeah. So from like just this is such a weird way to approach it. I'm aware of that from a regulatory standpoint. I feel like it's very difficult to allow um, medical exemptions, but at the same time, see, this is where I am in a in a in a different place. I wrestle with, uh, except for um, rape or incest. Well, why is murder okay? Yeah, I mean, if it's murder, yeah, that that. That is recognizing that that child is a child and a separate life, and we protect individuals. So if it's murder, but it was created this way, it's not murder. Uh, No, that's really bad, because in today's world, we've never had to deal with this. We will be able to grow humans, clones, and take their parts and harvest them for organs. So if they're created right now, we say rape or incest. But if they're created in a lab and grown in a bag, wait, is that life? Is that life? Do we have that right to do it because it was created differently? I mean, 
I'm, you know, it's part by part. I'm fine with it. If you just want to grow a leg or an arm <laughs> right. or a, you know, a heart, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I think part by part, I'd be cool. Yeah, I'd be cool. That um, the, the I think what you've struck onto, and this is one of my things when we get into conversations about this. I appreciate I appreciate consistency. Yes. So the the actual the, the position that I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, we'll come back in a second. Yeah. We've only got about ten seconds, but I think I know where you're going. And I echo that consistency is really hard on this issue. You're listening to Glenn Beck. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. If I'm wrong, eat, drink, and be merry. If I'm right, mortgages are going to be uh, a little scarcer. Your mortgage interest rate is a major factor that will determine your monthly payment. And when rates are low, like they have been, um, that's when you need to get a loan and lock it in. Now, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance an existing mortgage, you need to do it right now. Because I think, uh, like in 2008, if you remember, all of a sudden, no one could get a loan for anything. I think it's going to be difficult to get a loan for anything. The mortgage consultants at American Financing can get you qualified in 10 minutes and close in as fast as a week, and they work for you. So go to American Financing, family-owned and operated. It's AmericanFinancing.net, AmericanFinancing.net. Don't forget, another Blaze TV live event is happening this Tuesday. We cover the State of the Union address, 7.30 Eastern, Facebook, YouTube, or BlazeTV.com slash Beck. Earlier today, we had Ben Sasson, the uh, senator from uh, Nebraska, and he I just love him. Uh, he threw down the gauntlet yesterday. Here's what he said in Congress about these new abortion bills. Listen. Let's be really clear about what we're talking about here. We're talking about fourth trimester abortion or what anyone in the normal world calls infanticide. That's what we're talking about. And the governor of Virginia has been defending this all day yesterday and again today, going out and trying to equivocate and qualify and then double down and again say he wants to defend this practice, which is infanticide. Let's be clear what we're talking about. We're talking about killing a baby that's been born. We're not talking about some euphemism. We're not talking about a clump of cells. We're talking about a little baby girl who's been born and is on a table in a hospital or a medical facility And then a decision or a debate would be had about whether or not you could kill that little baby. Everyone in the Senate ought to be able to say unequivocally that killing that little baby is wrong. This doesn't take any political courage. And if you can't say that, if there's a member of this body that can't say that, there may be lots of work you can do in the world, but you shouldn't be here. You should get the heck out of any calling in public life where you pretend to care about the most vulnerable among us. So he is going on Monday... He's taking the floor, using Rule 14, whatever that is, to uh, to rush a bill to the uh, to the floor of the Senate, and he is going to ask all 100 senators to stand up um, and declare that they are against infanticide. And he said that should be the easiest vote to ever go down. That once a child is born, we can't kill it. Yeah, it seems like. <laughs> I'm trying to because I, I I do try and you know uh, like with with the, the the bill that came out of Virginia I I do make an effort to okay what's what's really happening here what's the policy ins and outs is there something I haven't foreseen but a general statement of infanticide's bad and we're against killing children post birth 
Is that that seems like a well, that's what the governor of a doctor who is now the governor of Virginia. That's how he described what was in that bill. Um, he described that. Can we play that from a couple of days ago? And then I'd like to play his um, his doubling down on it. This is this is what he said when he was on WTOP radio um, two days ago, asked about this bill. Hey, listen. When we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, so I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, but again, we want the government not to be involved in these types of decisions. We want the decision to be made by uh, the, the mothers and their providers. And, and this is why Julie, that legislators, most of whom are men, by the way, shouldn't be telling a woman what she should and shouldn't be doing with her body. So the baby is born, kept comfortable as they decide what to do with it. That's infanticide. Here is his doubling down the next day. I'm a physician. Uh, I'm also the the governor. Um, But when I'm asked questions, uh, a lot of times it it is put in the context of of being a physician, uh, again, realizing you know, how we uh, approach, how we manage patients, how we offer advice and, and counseling. So, so no, I, I don't have any regrets. But I, I do find, uh, you know, that how uh, my comments, uh, I, I did answer that question. I, I regret that those comments have been mischaracterized. Uh, the personal uh, uh, insults toward me, I, I really find disgusting. So, I, again, as I said in my comments just earlier, you know, we can agree to disagree, Alan, but, but let's be civil about it. Okay. Um, I don't I haven't heard anybody taking shots uh, uh, against him personally. And that, of course, would be wrong and just take us off track. Um, There's no way to read what he said any differently. What he said literally was the baby would be born resuscitated if that's what the family wanted, but then kept comfortable while we discussed what would happen. Notice also the absence of the father. It is only a discussion between the physician and the mother as he described it. Um, I mean, isn't that part kind of open-ended? Because in in the clip you just played, he says uh, that the baby would be resuscitated. Uh, if that's he, he said that it would be resuscitated if that's what the the mother wanted, but that still seems reasonably germane because we have that conversation about re, uh, resuscitation with with adults too, and you can have a non resuscitation order. But then he says a discussion ensues. Uh, I mean, I, I I didn't get from that that he necessarily said a discussion about um, terminating the child. I mean, he just said a discussion ensues. So maybe they're going to talk about. Yeah, no, he said the baby would be kept comfortable. Yeah. While a discussion, play it again, play it again, please. The TOP. When we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, And it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a a fetus that's non-viable. 
So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, so I think this was really discussion blown out of, of proportion. Uh, but again, we want Stop. Yeah. the government. I mean, not a discussion to- of what? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just you know I I, I tend to uh, I try and be as as charitable as I can about ambiguous statements, which is why I'm if if he if he came out and said um, if a child has deformities, we will discuss whether or not to terminate the child. That that I would go. That's a pretty big alarm there. But I'm just I'm trying to give wide berth of if he said say. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the child is going to have multiple, they're going to have to resuscitate it multiple times. We're going to have a discussion about whether to do that or something like that. I feel like that's a different categorical discussion than, you know, infanticide. Boy, I wish I could uh, agree with you on that because that's usually I try to, and this audience knows, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. until they don't deserve it anymore. Sure. And uh, seeing that we are a society that has heard for so long, safe, legal, and rare. Mm-hmm. And now it is all the way to birth. And that's in writing. Uh, can you please play the Virginia uh, conversation in the house in Virginia as they were going back and forth uh, with the co-sponsor uh, of this bill, this is a few days ago, before the governor, where someone in the House is trying to get nailed down. What does this mean exactly? Is there a cutoff? Go ahead. How late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? Or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm um, talking about the mental health. So, I mean... Through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay, but to the end of the third trimester. Yep, I don't think we have a limit in the bill. Where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth. She has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth. Would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician and the woman. I understand that. that I'm asking if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that. Yes. So the co-sponsor who is Mm pro-choice after this came out and said, I'm new to the house. I'm new to this process. I am a co-sponsor of this. I apologize. I did not read this carefully enough. I went back and read it. It is way beyond anything that I was talking about. I want nothing to do with it and withdrew her sponsorship. Yeah. Well, because that, the clip you just played, it's my read on that was um, you can have a late term abortion if a doctor certifies that it will have some sort of mental effect on you. Which is to say, if, if you're going to be stressed, sad, and like a, subject, a somewhat subjective state, as opposed to mm-hmm. your, your life is in danger or the child is non-viable. Correct. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're talking about we're, we're, you words, might have be, postpartum blues. Yeah. Or, which, at that point, is basically an elective third trimester abortion, which, by the way, I would be against. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's if because we have been safe rare uh and uh what was it safe 
safe, rare, and what was the third one? I can't remember now. Uh, But we were there. And that was, we're just trying to make sure that, you know, it's safe and it's rare because it's going to happen. We don't want in back alleys. That's no longer it. And now we have Virginia. We have it passed in New York. This, what she's talking about, has passed in New York. You have uh, Vermont and I think Rhode Island going for the same thing now. So all of a sudden we've hit not a slippery slope. It's been a slippery slope, and that's what people have said. It's a slippery slope. It's going to get you know further and further the other way. Slippery slope, slippery slope. And they've always said, it's not a slippery slope. No, it, you're right. It's not. It's a cliff. This hasn't been. All of a sudden, we have this law that is that insane that you can say, oh, you know what? I, I don't want, for familial reasons, is in the, in the New York law. Mm-hmm. For familial reasons, I, my husband is gone, or I don't have a babysitter because my mom can't help out. Any reason at all is okay in the New York law. We're not even close as a people to that. And I will tell you that it is, it is, it is clarified the Paulina, the woman in Poland, who was a righteous among the nations, who told me at a time and it didn't. It's becoming more and more clear to me what this means. Glenn, you're looking at this wrong. The righteous, the people who saved the Jews, they didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. You don't expect a society to all of a sudden just drop off a cliff. But that is it. That's it. This is not a slippery slope. This is not a gradual decline. It, this is a cliff. And we're all looking at it and we're all going, well, I'm not for that. I'm not for that. But other people have already gone off that cliff. And by refusing to say, that's a cliff you're going off, by saying, no, that's not what it means, by defending it in any way, you've gone off the cliff. couple of follow-ups? Yes. So with, with the Virginia bill... Um, it, it, Which, it, by the way, failed now. Now that the co-sponsor came oh yeah. out, it well, failed. Well, it was, it was going to fail anyway. I mean, it had, it had like two supporters in the Senate. Mm-hmm. It, it really wasn't. And, and that, that particular bill, in some variation, I think has been happening the last 10 years. Uh, they, that, that, that's been a perennial thing. And it's almost, it's, you know, there's, there's always somebody that's writing bills about various pet projects. This is right. one of them. It just happened to catch media attention this time. Because it passed in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the my takeaway when I was reading it, or I didn't read the full bill, but reading synopses of it from various websites, mm-hmm. the, the the main thing to me seemed to be that it, it would limit it would re, it would take away the Virginia law requiring an ultrasound if you were going to get an abortion, and it would also take away the rule that as of now you can get a abortion in the event that uh, it is going to have it, it's a, a health risk mm-hmm. that you have to have three doctors do it, and it would limit it down to one. One. Um, so that seemed to me to be the the, the meat of the bill, mm-hmm. and there is either a there is either a sneaker clause put in or there's an ambiguous clause that was inadvertently put in. One of those two things, when we get into the issue of mental health, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the, the big point of it seemed to be those two thrusts. What, what do you think about those two elements of it? Um, I don't like the idea that it's reduced from one to three. Um, even in Nazi Germany, the T4 program had to have three signatures. Three doctors had to agree, agree that that life is not worth living. Three. We're now saying, eh, we're good with one. If there were a law requiring you to name the child you would have had, and I wanted to scrap that law, would you be in favor of getting rid of that law? I don't think I understand that law. Well, I mean, like a lot, a lot of these regulations, I think they're not, um, they're not designed around 
um, protecting anyone's life. There, there, there are bureaucratic hurdles that have been put in to, to try and staunch the amount of abortions happening. So that's a lot of the strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if, if there's any type of regulatory hurdle you can put in to try and make abortions more difficult, are, are you in favor of those unilaterally? Or is it, is it specifically? No, that- I prefer. I mean, if I'm dealing with unfair people on the other side, I do try to block them any way I can. If I could have closed down a camp with bureaucratic nonsense in Nazi Germany, I absolutely would. But I prefer to do it the right way. And I'll say me, even me as a libertarian would, would be willing to <laughs> yeah. increase bureaucracy to stop yeah. concentration camps. <laughs> right. If I could so, make some more red so tape for you, concentration if, camps, I'd probably get behind that. Right. If you believe that it is murder, which I do, especially what they're talking about, absolutely. I will, I will, I will resort to anything that I have to. Uh, but I prefer that the rest of the human race goes, hey, that's murder. We just shouldn't do that. All right. Back in just a second. First, let me tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com. This is something that uh, has been a huge success. And the reason why is because I do a lot of work with real estate agents all over the country um, on something else that I do. I, I, I represent uh, a lot of these real estate agents. So I've met the the ones that are on the wall street journal they'll they'll say the best 500 real estate agents in the country i know a lot of those guys and i've met them and i've talked to them and i've talked to them out of frustration when i can't sell my house i'm like what is my real estate agent what's wrong what are we doing and i've learned a lot and so we know how to pick the agent that will sell your home and so what we started was not a real estate agency but it's almost like a match com for the buyer uh, or the seller and the right real estate agent and they're the people that have your values and know how to price and sell your house or help you buy a new house a lot of people write to us and say they found that like it's like a new friend that they found and the results are overwhelming they are so positive real estate agents i trust.com if you're looking to buy or sell your house and you want to do it quickly and get the most amount of money out of your house and get the least amount of money into the next one it's real estate agents i trust.com real estate agents i trust.com for anybody who worries about weapons of mass destruction coming across the border yesterday, they stopped a truck. Inside was a weapon of mass destruction that could kill 57 million Americans. I'll give you the details when we come back. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Yesterday at the border, a weapon of mass destruction was found on a truck coming across the border. Could have killed 57 million Americans. I'll tell you all about it in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let me tell you about 23andMe, and then we're right back into the uh, program. Yesterday, I had a really amazing call, and uh, I haven't heard the details of it because we ran out of time, and uh, so the producers had to take the rest of it. But a guy called me and said, hey, uh, 23andMe, uh, we just did it, and we think we have found our lost cousin who uh, was somehow or another taken from the family, and they think that they have found him now through DNA testing. And he's like, we have to hire an attorney. And he said, the crazy thing is, Glenn, 
we think he's related to you. And I'm like, well, is he crazy? And because if he is, yes, good chance. Uh, if you're using 23andMe to try to find connections to me, it's uh, don't. Don't do it. Uh, I mean, A, I've got enough insane relatives. I don't want any more. I don't want any more. I mean, I, you know, when the holidays come, I look at the family at the door and I'm so excited until I actually open it. And then I'm like, ick, not this family. I want the, I want the family in the magazines and on TV, not this family. For that, you can rent, rent a Hallmark family. I like, there is a service you can rent. I'm, I'm forming a service. Okay. All right. So anyway, 23andMe, the health and ancestry kit. I've just taken this, and I will know if that kid is related uh, to me. They have this new thing where you can find the people who uh, are in your family tree, and you can you know contact them if they opt in. I'm opting in because I just want to call people that I think. You know, any relative of mine that lives like in New York or California, I want to know. Because I'm going to call him. I, I so hope it turns out you're like cousins with Paul Krugman or something. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't you, that be great? You have to call him that and go, hey, great. guess what? Turns out we're related. <laughs> hey, let's have a family reunion. Anyway, the Ancestry Kit also teaches you about your health, your traits, and more than 125 personal insights. It is 23andMe.com. Uh, and is it slash Beck? Yeah. Uh, 23andMe.com slash Beck. Get the kit. Take it. With me, 23andMe.com slash Beck, the secure DNA testing kit, 23andMe.com slash Beck. Okay, here's, 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 this is an amazing story. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, yesterday... A cucumber truck. Ugh, I, I already hate this story, Glenn. Bringing in cucumbers? Yeah. We yeah. got enough. Thank you. Are you, by any chance, do you hate, Andrew Heaton is joining me today, do you hate salads as much as I do? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, I, and, and cucumbers just suck the flavor out of everything. And uh, I, I had to grow up dealing with them a lot because, Dad, it's easy to grow cucumbers. So, like, rather than growing, like, delicious, like, you grow tomatoes, pretty good tomatoes, but you grow yeah. these massive cucumbers, and we would, we'd leave them, we'd go to our neighbor's houses, we'd pass them out, no, oh, thank you, and the following day, we'd come back, we'd like, got more cucumbers, and, like, we don't need them, and so we would spend the evening putting them on the door like an orphan, and ringing the doorbell and running away, so I associate <laughs> cucumbers with, with unnecessary labor right. and lack of flavor. Right, okay, so, so you, I mean, you spend time in England. Yeah. Is a cucumber sandwich really just bread with cucumbers on it? Yeah, I think that there's butter or something. That's pretty good. That's for a horrible English, sandwich. No, for, by English standards, though, that's pretty good. Because your, your other because like Scottish cuisine is just basically carnival food with sheep in it. Right. Like, like take a deep fat fried, like deep fried Mars bar and a deep fried sheep. English food is just boiled. And so the cucumber sandwich, once you're over there, you're like, oh, that sounds pretty good, actually. You're going to put a dead fish in a newspaper with some overcooked French fries? I'll eat the right. cucumber sandwich. Okay, all right. Okay, I look at it. Anyway, so this cucumber truck is coming across the border, and the, canine, uh, the canines go crazy, and they find what I would describe as a weapon of mass destruction. They find 254 pounds of fentanyl. And that's a, a lot of fentanyl. Um, yeah, it's an, enough fentanyl. If you have prescription from a doctor, fentanyl is an end-of-life hospice-only drug. 
okay? It is only given out in the most significant and end-of-life scenarios, or in my case, they gave it to me because no drugs work on me. Or, or your doctors didn't like you. That's a very That's good other possibility. possibility yeah. It was up in the Northeast. Um, but uh, I had a fentanyl patch for three days, and I took it off in the middle of the night because I didn't even know what it was. I'd never even heard of fentanyl. Um, but I knew whatever that was is going to kill me um and uh, took it off and then read the box the next day this is how powerful fentanyl is think of a fentanyl patch is like you know one of those big band-aid butterfly uh bandages yeah. that are kind yeah, of yeah. you know like an inch and a half i, I get into a lot of bar fights so, so i'm you familiar know, with okay. the concept yeah all right so it, think of it a fentanyl patch about like that okay and it just has some fentanyl on the pad that's what you put on and if you put it on without rubber gloves and you touch it with one hand and then touch it with another hand you could get a double dose of it and it can kill you okay okay that's how powerful this is so like like on a scale of like advil to fentanyl (laughs) fentanyl is like at least three times as powerful as Advil. (laughs) yeah okay that's that's that seems follow the directions very careful. Okay, cool. Okay. So, all right. All don't. Right. So, 254 pounds. To put this into perspective, 254 pounds of fentanyl is enough for 57 million Americans to overdose and die on. Okay. 254, 254 pounds of fentanyl, 57 million Americans could be dead from that. That is a weapon of mass destruction, is it not? Yes. I mean, I've, I've, they, presumably they weren't trying to weaponize it, right? Well, no, they were not trying to weaponize or, it. Or, but they, or maybe they were going to Canada. May maybe I make, they were just passing through. Yeah. May I make this, may I make this case? Okay. Do you, are you familiar with the opium wars? England uh, yeah, and yeah, China? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what you know about the opium wars, because I know nothing about it. So if you don't know anything about it, sure, that's fine. But tell me what you think you know about the opium wars. So... Um, the British Empire was helpfully going around the world, organizing people's things for them and building railroads and infrastructure. Sure. And uh, they happened to make a stop off in, uh, in China. And uh, they and the I think the, the, the Chinese basically were like, hey, quit selling us opium. And the British were like, now we're going to keep selling you opium. So they went to war with them to force the, the Chinese to buy their opium. OK, um, that's that's my that's my no. vague re- recollection from okay. when I was in England. Kind of. I think that's how they explained it to okay. me. Kind of. That is that is like saying uh, the founding fathers all got together and said, uh, you know, we just uh, we want to be able to not have tea time anymore. And so they they founded Canada. Yeah. You're close. <laughs> OK, but, yeah, but not I'm exactly in the ballpark. Right. These are the right terms. Right. OK. okay. Um, so here's what the opium wars were. Um uh, there was a, uh, um, I think, a blockade of, on uh, on China, and there was a trade war going on between China and England. I'm going to butcher this, so I am also kind of. It ends up with the Declaration of Independence being solved, uh, signed in Montreal. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm closer. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it was signed at Ni- Niagara Falls. Um, so I, I, I guess the Declaration of Independence would be so much more pretentious if it had been signed in Montreal. It would yeah, be terrible. Would been, There'd be it, lots of French in it. Right. It'd be awful. Yeah. It would have been in two languages. Yeah. It would have. We, yeah. we, we, we would not have gotten very far. Anyway, 
you are not good for my ADD, man. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so what happened is there was trade war. We needed to, England needed to break it up, and so what they did is they went to India and said, "Sell us opium." So the they sold the opium. The Indians sold the opium to the British, who then took it to the border of China, and the Chinese wanted the chinese people wanted the opium yeah why were we selling the opium? why was england selling the opium to the chinese because they knew they could get them addicted and it would weaken them oh so the chinese were fighting back because well, the this, Ch- this makes me rethink the british empire it doesn't seem <laughs> no. like they're you know they're just helpfully you know right. building, building telegraph no. lines everywhere no and so that's what the war was over they said stop bringing this illegally across our border and selling it to our people. Well, isn't that what Mexico is doing to us? I mean, is the state of Mexico doing it or are there narco-traffickers doing it? The narco-traffickers, okay. However, if you heard about the border, remember, what did they say when Donald Trump said, all this fentanyl, all these opioids are coming across the border? What did they say? Uh, Very orange. We don't get much opioid. We don't get much fentanyl. We don't get that. First of all, it doesn't come. Most of it doesn't come across the border. It comes into our ports from Mexico. But the biggest importer is China. So China is now making opioids and fentanyl and doing what the English uh, guys, did to us. We're not even the same country anymore. We broke up with them, China. You should send it to England. That's fair. I mean, that's how history works. But history works. With, with the fentanyl, though, did it did it come through? Was this stopped at a, a yes, checkpoint? At a check or were point. they trying, like, because... No, it was a checkpoint. Because then that would not really deal with the wall, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. This did go over a checkpoint. Yeah. Um, but what I find interesting is... Uh, uh, if that's coming over a checkpoint, how much is coming over elsewhere? Because you wouldn't think you'd be 254 pounds of fentanyl in a cucumber truck. That's worth a lot of money. Uh, I don't think I'm bringing it across the border. I think I would try to get that across the border, not in a cucumber truck. Yeah, that was, you know your, I mean? that was your move right there. No, right. no one in America is going to welcome a cucumber right. truck coming in. <laughs> right. We're going to put it in an empanada truck. That's I would have a- waved you through. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Come on in. <laughs> All right, our sponsor is Liberty Safe. Liberty Safes are, uh, are are great, and they're great for more than just your guns and ammo. I mean, that's that's what I store in my safes, uh, and I do have uh, I do have um, more than one safe um, because what happened is I bought a safe and it was a smaller one, and I thought, no, I I'm just going to put my rifles and my guns in there. And then I realized that's not enough room. So I had to buy another small one and I bought another small one. And now they're both so full that I cannot close them. Buy a big one. I just keep them in my umbrella stand. Should I get a safe? I would say, yeah. Okay. And I question you uh, for having uh, an umbrella stand as a... I'm I'm tidy. As a straight... 30-year-old single male. Thank you. 35. Thank 35, you. 35, I don't understand the umbrella stand. Well, it's but. an umbrella stand and a rifle stand, so it's, you know, right. it's multi-use. So it's okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. But you, you get those confused. That's a bad day. Yeah. You I don't mean, want to go out there and try to open up your umbrella and just right. indiscriminately fire into the sky. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Liberty Safes are the best-built safes on the planet, bar none, and their engineers have developed the newest revolution in home safes. It's a military-style locking bar. I have one. They are 
this is a sweet safe. Go to Liberty Safe and just check it out. But please, the number one, uh, the number one complaint on Liberty. This is honest to God true. The number one thing that customers complain about is their choice. They say, "I should have bought a bigger one." Hmm. Uh, Liberty Safe. Check them out now. Best built safe on the planet, bar none. It is LibertySafe.com. That's LibertySafe.com. Ten seconds. Station ID. You know, I, I, I have to play um, Ashton Kutcher uh, and his response on, um, on, on pro-life, being pro-life. I haven't heard this yet, but this was probably the biggest video in America yesterday when it comes to politics. Here's uh, Ashton Kutcher. Uh, oh, you don't have it? Oh, I thought I sent it in earlier uh, today. Well, let's see if we can get it because I want to I play it once before we, uh, before we leave. So maybe we can do that at the, um, the end of the hour. Um, I've got a lot of stuff because Monday we're doing a show on abortions. Mm. So I have a lot of stuff on colonial American abortions, which yeah. is only interesting to really people like you and me. I was going to say, I'm, I'm intrigued by that because kind of what we, what we designate as, is uh, moral and immoral. What we designate as legal and illegal, those change over time. And I'm curious to what uh, colonial Americans thought. Uh, colonial Americans thought that, uh, uh, colonial Americans thought that uh, abortion after what was called the quickening, which is in in uh, the what is it the the, the Highlander, that's yeah. when all the immortals come yeah, together. No, no, that's no, that's, that's, that's way late. That's yeah, like eighteen no, term abortion. Right? That's terrible. Yeah, no, that's not it. Uh, the oh. quickening is when you can feel the baby move inside oh, okay. of a woman. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting. The first abortion trial uh, happened under John Smith. Remember John Smith yeah. and Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. So the first one happened with John Smith, and he had to decide the innocence uh, or guilt uh, of this individual. And it was, uh, let me see if I can uh, find it. Uh, It, it, the deposition came in from Dorcas Howard. Oh, poor Dorcas Howard. I, I already feel really, whoever this person is, I feel sorry for him. I, I don't imagine that an easy childhood. Yeah, no, it was a woman, too. Dorcas? Dorcas. Oh. You're like, oh. What are you guys doing? Just go with Susan. Yeah. Susan's a fine name. Susan. Dorcas. So anyway, she was an unmarried servant. And the thing I found in the research yesterday was that most of the women that had abortions, not all, but most of the women who had abortions were servants in the house. They were white. But they were servants in the house and because, you know, um, not slave servants, but uh, what do you call indentured it? Servants. Indentured servants. Mm-hmm. So they would get together. And Miss Howard was an unmarried servant. Um, and she was arrested after she gave birth in secret to a son. Uh, and what she did uh, was really quite horrible uh, to this uh, to this kid. Um, but. The people that went to jail, according to to John Smith's uh, decision, was not only uh, for her, but the guy who fathered the child also went to jail. Um, and then there's a there's a few things. One uh, one um, woman was executed um, because she killed her her, her child. Um, the uh, most of them really happened when it was a man raping 
or or taking a servant and having his way and then they couldn't get married but it was interesting to me was a lot of them uh went to trial and uh they were both punished uh for whatever and then they ended up marrying each other like like three like the, of them. Like the crisis brought them together emotionally i don't like, this has been tough we have to wear these scarlet letters i but i i really have got to know you a lot better dorcas I, I let's get hitched i don't know but what was interesting to me also was that it wasn't just on the women you think oh well it was just the women no a lot of times the women now remember we're talking 1600s uh the women were whipped and the men were whipped for adultery but it was the man who ended up uh, serving the time or getting the punishment for the abortion. Wait, so so would they? Was it permissible to get an abortion if it was out of wedlock? Is that what I'm getting? Or is no, it, no, they, no. they would try and do it, and the colonials would go, "You can't do that. You can't do that. Gotcha. I don't care if okay. you're married or not married. Gotcha. You okay. can't kill your child." Yeah. Hmm. And uh, so that's that's uh, that's where they were. And uh, it looks like I mean maybe we can maybe we can just go you know back to I have a uh, I have a warrant for the arrest of a woman named uh, Anna. Trats, Tratsky, Trotsky, Trots, Trasco, I think. I can't remember her last name. But a woman, she was in Salem, and she was part of the Salem witch trials. And she was a witch because she became pregnant without the help of a man. Oh, uh, wait, was that her? That was yeah. her. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble yeah. for this. What am I going to claim? I'll just say I'm a witch. Yeah. And that, I mean, no, one, no one will think I'm a hussy. Is that crazy? And, uh, yeah. That yeah. It back, is that how that started? Yeah. Well, I mean, we all know that's how. They're, All babies without a husband, witchcraft. witchcraft. I uh, so I, I used to live in Scotland, and there's uh, if you go to the Castle Esplanade, there's this placard that it, it's dedicated to witches that were burned uh, in because the Scots they didn't have miniature golf or TV or anything, so they needed <laughs> hobbies, right. so they burn witches, right? And there, there's this placard that says, uh, um, you know, many of the women that were burned here uh, were not bad witches, but good witches. And I'm like, none of them were witches. What's wrong with you? None of these people were witches. And the placards were like 1980. They put up like, wow. who, who was in charge of this? Oh, and they were, they were, they would, uh, the Scots would, they, if you were a witch, they would um, uh, throw you on trial, but they'd throw you into Norlock, which was the, the, the septic drainage ditch next to the castle. And if you mm. sank, which was unlikely with the way sewage works, uh, that meant you were fine. And they'd write an apologetic letter to your family. If you, if you didn't sink because of, you know, we're buoyant, that meant the devil was underneath you holding you up, mm-hmm. which point they'd burn you at the stake. And this is the nasty part. This is the Scottish bit. They would charge your family for the firewood bill just to, like, really stick it to oh you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Were they, were, were, how did you, I mean, was it a chance you were raised a witch? I mean, it's, it's fully possible. Yeah, I could see that. No, I think uh, uh, I, I'm 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 descended pretty much entirely from rodeo clowns and rodeo clowns and horse thieves. I don't think yeah. we have any witchcraft in the family. Yeah, I no, I didn't mean you personally. I didn't know. I mean, because as we learned from the documentary in the 1960s, uh, Bewitched. Yeah, uh, it runs in the family. That's true. So could be. I'm gonna have I to talk with my mom on that. Yeah, but I, I think we're okay there. Yeah, they, uh, they, they they all sorts of uh, weird witchcraft thing in, in history that were, and it seems to be a recurring thing. Like there seems to be an instinct for human beings to go which you know in in England um I, I learned this recently uh witchcraft was not considered necessarily satanic up until maybe 1700 so if you go back to if you're time traveling and you go back to like 1480 England mm-hmm. like there's witchcraft but it's almost seen as like a like kind of like the the evil eye where it's mm-hmm. like almost like a like a magical skill mm-hmm. you possess, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily with the dark arts. So I almost bought this piece, and it's the one thing I regret uh, that I was offered in. Uh, it's a historic piece that I didn't buy. It was too expensive at the time, and now I I I do anything to get it. 
it was a bowl, a magic bowl, that uh, the Jewish society back in the times of Jesus would put at, they'd turn it over and they'd put it underneath their doorstep if they believed in sorcery and things like that. And on this was written about the sorcerer Jesus uh, from Nazareth who worked all kinds of miracles. And it was something that 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 tribe associated Jesus as a sorcerer, not son of God, as some sort of magician. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. Relationship. Uh, tip number one, uh, and uh, I can just teach Andrew this because, uh, yeah, he's uh, 35 and still single. Yeah, it's weird. It's Star Trek. Odd but fluke. anyway, um, odd fluke? No. Yeah. Mm-mm. I'm taking dates to Star Trek conventions, Glenn. I'm uh, on top of this. Sure, sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, d- do not fall for the, oh, we don't have to celebrate Valentine's Day this year. As they said in Star Wars, it's a trap. It's absolutely a trap. You've got to have flowers or roses or something. 1-800-Flowers.com. Get them now. A dozen assorted roses for nineteen ninety nine, or you can upgrade to two dozen assorted roses for $10 more. Great offer from 1-800-Flowers.com, but it uh, expires today, so you got to do it now. 1-800-Flowers.com. 1-800-Flowers.com. Use the radio code BECK. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. next week for our Tuesday coverage of the State of the Union. You'll see it beginning on Tuesday, 7.30 Eastern, Facebook, YouTube, and blazetv.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Our our State of the Union uh, coverage on Tuesday at 7.30 Eastern comes from New York and uh, Dallas. And we have all kinds of uh, great coverage. And it'll be different coverage, I'm, I'm thinking, because y- you, strangely, are helping yeah. in the coverage. Well, are I, you? I, I, I am. I, th- I think, as you, as you know, I am now the uh, junior assistant Washington correspondent. So I'm, I, it's weird that you guys specified I'm literally below anyone that works for the Blaze in D.C. I am the lowest-ranking member. However, you did give me a microphone and a camera. Right. And uh, right. I, I went out there and I gave it the old college try. And there are uh, there are a lot of things at the State of the Union address that I, I feel I am able to see that you guys aren't like. Right. Did you know in the last State of the Union address that Justin Amash kept throwing Twinkies up into the gallery? Well, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I did not know that. It I may or may not, not be true, but I'm pretty sure right. it is. Right. And, and, uh, like and you actually I've seen uh, the photographic evidence, strange, yeah. uh, strangely, that uh, the the. The members, I don't know if they're members of Congress or they were just strangely there somehow, but the uh, there were some people sitting in the seats of um, uh, in in Congress that yeah. would not stand for the president. And that yeah, was this, this, this is something that, that I just I can't continent. So I, I try and be fairly forgiving, Glenn, as you know, with with politics. But, uh, you know, when the, when the president stands up and says American sandwiches are some of the best things in the world and everybody stand Democrats, Republicans stand up. And, you know, who's not standing up? Bears. Congressional bears just hanging out, just giving these weak, limp-wristed clapping like a right. golf clap. I'm, I'm so unimpressed. And you're going to bring that to our coverage. Yeah. Uh, which, That's the kind of stuff you can expect from me commenting right. on the State of the Union address. Not what you'll expect from the Washington, D.C. Bureau, uh, which will bring you um, non-bear coverage. No, they're they're all fixated on what the president says and what <laughs> right. it means and all that kind of stuff. I'm keeping my eyes on the – my eyes are on the ball. So very <laughs> – very different coverage yeah. uh, on the blaze uh, tv.com slash Beck. Go there uh, now. You'll be able to see this. It's 
I believe commercial free uh, and it is going to be happening, you know, all night and you'll be able to watch it on YouTube, on our Facebook page at Blaze TV. Uh, and uh, you'll also, as a subscriber, be able to get it uh, as well. I'm, I'm actually going this year. I have avoided it like the plague. Uh, I have been invited every year to go and I never taken him up on it. Um, but I, I wouldn't think that you would really like the idea of the State of the Union address, right? I hate the State yeah. of the Union. Because you're, you're, you're more of, you're, I get the impression you're more of a Jeffersonian than a Woodrow Wilson devotee. Oh, really? Yeah, I get that yeah. impression from yeah. you. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, so I don't like it. I don't like the pomp and circumstance. I don't like the, you know, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. The, I hate that. I hate that. Do you, and, do, you, do you know how to do it in the House of Lords with the Queen? Have you ever looked into this? Because no. that's what we're doing, by the way, is we're doing the oh, royal no, we, address to the House of Lords. We now have royalty. Yeah, that's it's absolutely it's it's the the imperial presidency. Um, with I like the British version because I I think it's very healthy to have the head of state not have power. Uh, I I like separating reverence from power, so I think the British have figured that out pretty well, and I think we should make Betty White or Kelsey Grammer. The monarch of America and just not leave him any power. But what the what the queen does is they ha- this is part of the whole thing. The, the queen has a royal hostage during her parliament address every year that just hangs out at Buckingham Palace. That way, if Parliament captures the queen, they can murder that member of Parliament. Uh, she goes. No, 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 that's- she goes to the the how well that used to be how it was right uh, really the, yeah no literally because after the glorious revolution there's this power dynamic shift where it used to be you know the, the king could dismiss parliament and that kind of stuff and now um, parliament's like no at, at the end of the day we can and will kill you in fact they keep the death warrant for Charles the first in the dressing room the queen hangs out in before she addresses parliament that's always there it's the original death warrant just to remind whoever the queen is at the time that we have and will kill again if you really cross us holy cow she she has the hostage she comes to parliament there's this ceremony where she walks over to the house of commons and prepares to enter it they have to slam the door in her face like that's part of the pomp is you you are not a member of the House of Commons you're you're a lord you cannot enter this you can't pass this threshold which is why they do it in the House of Lords and then she you know reads a, a prepared speech or whatever and then they all eat uh, cucumber sandwiches <laughs> that is insane yeah. but again she doesn't have any power which is why I'm fine with that like if you just want to no do- I'm not because then what are you paying for uh. I, I think that we have, as human beings, we have this weird fixation where we want to ha- we want to have social betters, and then we crave their approval. And I, I I'm not sure we can get rid of that. So I just want to funnel it into something that is not it it doesn't have actual power. I, if if the queen could also set the tax rate, I would abhor that, and I would be a like an English Republican. Uh, but uh, but but as it is, <laughs> I, I I think I think it's cute to have ceremonial. Moments. Right. Okay. But she's been a good queen. Yeah. You know, I don't think that that's going to when when Charles comes in. Yeah, I think everybody's going to look at their 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 checkbook and go, what the hell do we have this guy around for? I don't I don't think they'll. Uh, yeah, that could be. Anyway, actually, if, if he becomes king, I, I think uh, Australia might very well become a republic. It's if you talk to Australians about this, they're like, we'll be you know, we'll become a republic. If Charles, I can't do an Australian. Yeah. We'll, 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 if, if Charles comes in, we'll, we'll be a republic. But if they skip Charles and go straight to William, they'll stay on monarchy. All right. Which is a weird thing to me. That Which like, is exactly what I think the queen is hoping. The queen has only been hanging on because she's like, I've got this son. I don't even think he's mine. I swear I don't remember his birth. Uh, so she wakes up, everybody goes, is Charles alive? Yes. yes. Oh, I must carry on with this time. <laughs> right. That's what she's doing. You know, a big she bucket is, of fentanyl next she, to her bed. She would have been dead 20 years ago yeah. if her son wasn't Charles. Did you, did you read about uh, Prince Philip flipped a car two weeks ago? That's, no. That's the queen's husband. Uh, Prince Philip, 97 years old, and he flipped his Land Rover. 
which, uh, well done. But also, why is he driving at all? Shouldn't he have a chauffeur? Like, get on this, England. Get some crowdsourcing done. Well, we took the keys away from my grandfather. Yeah. I my, mean, somebody should take the keys away from Philip. I was talking to my dad a year or two ago, and he was describing uh, my, his grandmother, my great-great-grandmother, Grandma Bickle. And he's like, oh, she was a tough old bird, uh, Grandma Bickle. I mean, she would, uh, you know, she went, went blind at 92, quit driving at 94, uh, <laughs> fixture of the town. And I was like, wait, what? What was the chronology of that? And like, apparently, Grandma Bickle, like, just rem- like she memorized all the turns to get to the grocery store and refused to quit driving after she went functionally blind. And they would, I, don't, I guess, like, the town people in Alva, Oklahoma, would just come out and be like, Ethel's driving! And everyone would scatter and go back into their houses. So I assume that's what they're doing with Philip. Well, could be. Yeah. Could be. I don't think he's probably out on the roads. Which, if I can plug it, Chad Prather, a uh, beloved funny man here at The Blaze now, he came on last week. We did a full uh, episode of my podcast that was a biopic of Prince Philip. So it's just an hour of me talking to the opposite of Prince Philip, which is Chad Prather. Right. Uh, the opposite of British aristocracy about how it works. It was a fun episode. So I know somebody who has met Prince Philip before. Yeah. And uh, and it was in a military setting. And uh, Prince Philip came up and it was, I, I don't even know what they have, you know, uh, I don't know. Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts is yeah. their army. Who who knows? Yeah. Uh, Blue and, fact. Right. And so, and so, you know, the Boy Scouts were, they're probably more like Cub Scouts, and the Girl Scouts were there. And Prince Philip said, uh, uh, what do you do? And he said to the woman, and uh, she said, uh, well, I'm a physician. And he honestly said, he drew back and said, good God. God, we do not have women doctors in this country now, do we? And this was like, what, last April? <laughs> yeah, it was like two years ago, five years See, ago. This is what people, what people don't understand about Prince Philip. He was born in like 1937. Yeah. No, not earlier than that, because he was, he no, was yeah, ser- no. served in World War II. So I'm sure yeah, he was born yeah. in like, like 1917 or something. Yeah. Uh, coming up on it, actually, mm-hmm. like 1921. Uh, imagine if you are already a British cartoon character version of a rich person. And then you marry the queen, and no one ever expects you to change for the rest of your life. And so you're you're a cartoon character in 1945, and that's it. We're, he's a he's a time capsule he from is. 1945. He really is because nobody's going to tell him. No, and that's why he whenever he goes to countries, like he went to Barbados and just opened up with, uh, "You're all descended from pirates." Yes, like that was his opening <laughs> line going to Barbados was to insult the entire people. And Wouldn't it be great though to be like that? Oh, that'd be to be able to, to be, be that, that way. Untethered, to to just, be just I don't care. Yeah. What I did I care. say? You're aware that I'm sleeping with the queen, right? I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yes. I, I don't. I don't care. I'm, right. I'm going to die right. probably in the think, next two years. I think that's what we have in Donald Trump. I think we ha- yeah. we have like a Prince Philip that yeah. doesn't care. He yeah. doesn't care. I he's think, not royalty, but kind of. I mean, he sits in gold chairs a lot. You yeah, know, he's, he's doing. Yeah, he sits in gold chairs. He's got the the imperial presidency. He's already there for him. And yeah. you're right. I don't think he cares that I much. I don't think he cares. Yeah, I don't think he cares at all. So anyway, he's going to get up at the State of the Union, and uh, and uh, it should be interesting to watch. I'm I'm going, and we'll be covering it live from Washington D.C. Are you going to bring like a bingo card that you make in advance of things he might say and like uh, play with other people in the You know, the we, might, we, we might want you to do pass a bingo card. We way, should. We should. That would, they would, I will say that would be a very surreal moment for anyone right. in the gallery of like, did Glenn Beck just pass you a bingo card? Right. And it says like, America's great, the wall, things like that. Right. Yeah. And what will be really surreal is if you're watching at home on Tuesday and you hear somebody from the gallery go, Bingo! That will, Glenn. I will give you fifty dollars if you yell "Play Freebird" when the president. No, I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, all right, uh, we're so glad that you're listening. Let me tell you about our 
Our sponsor this half hour, it is My Patriot Supply. Oh, okay. Uh, My Patriot Supply um, is, uh, they're the people that will help you be prepared. You just bought some My I Patriot just bought Supply. some. I, I, have a, I have a bug out bag at home. Uh, that's also, it's like my bug out bag. It's also my camping equipment. But I went ahead and bought a, a, week's, a week's supply of food. Uh, for my Patriot supply, I got it uh, last week and put it in there. You actually do have a bug out bag. I, I've a, I like, mean, I, it's a full like I had a bug out bag. Now it's like a proper like hiking bag, but I'm I'm good to go. Like I'm I'm fine. I'm fine for two weeks if the if the grid shuts down. I'm 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 oh, on top well, of things. So, something like that, like an EMP, certainly not going to last more than two weeks. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> we'd all tie. Uh, FEMA would be on top of stuff, and uh, they they <laughs> you know they're they're like guys like like try and make macaroni Absolutely. for a couple of weeks. We'll get things back yeah, online. No, it's going to be fine after two weeks. Anyway, uh, there's four week food kit now where you can uh, where you can actually save a hundred dollars, but you have to do it today. All right, it averages two thousand calories a day for anybody who's eating it. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what you need to be able to stay healthy. It's 25 years in storage. Have you eaten any of it? I haven't eaten any of it yet. Okay. Does, I'm, gonna, I'm actually, I'm going to try it out to see what it's like. You are, I was going to say, because you are, you're a bachelor and I know it just as a, as a married man, my wife has gone away on weekends and I've, I've, you know, kind of prowled around for something easy. And, uh, I would say if I wouldn't get in trouble that, uh, somebody has been dipping into the, uh, my Patriot supply food. Hmm. Uh, so not all of the kits are complete at, at, at this point. Um, are, are you keeping when the grid goes down? Are are you going to like suddenly find out that you've been you know double timing macaroni? No, I, I'm. I'm. You're, you're, you're covered. You're okay? not. No, not me. I'm not going to. But I certainly will talk to my son about yeah. him going into that food supply when the wife was his mom was gone because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the way it anyway uh you go to preparewithglenn.com right now preparewithglenn.com and uh prepare yourself with my patriot supply this special uh, i believe ends today it's again it's a four-week supply you get a hundred bucks off it is really good food it's healthy two thousand calories a day uh and you will be prepared for four weeks my patriot supply it's preparewithglenn.com or call 800-271-63 preparewithglenn.com do you remember when howard schultz from uh starbucks was considered uh, a liberal democrat yeah uh, favored by people on the left yeah uh which apparently all changed about four days ago when he decided uh to come out and say hey i think you guys are a little bit extreme uh and then they all hated him how dare you yeah that was it was interesting watching the coverage of that because the the reaction was immediate and visceral and widespread and it was how dare you you're a billionaire, so that's terrible. Also, your ideas are awful, and you're greedy, and we don't like you, and we would never vote for you. But more importantly, how dare you not run as a Democrat? <laughs> uh, I, that seems odd to me that you're... But there's this almost this sort of entitlement idea of like, well, we get to coronate someone, and the, the Republicans get to coronate someone, and that's it. And like, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like looking at the parties as these quasi-government appendages. You don't have to run as part of them if you don't want to. You can maybe have more than one of two ideas. That's a possible thing. But uh, what, what is, what's strange to me is how far left this – should, this should speak volumes to the average Democrat. Because I think there are the, there are the New York and California Democrats uh, in the parties uh, and uh, the Washington Democrat. But then there's the – you know, I don't know, uh, K 
Kansas I was Democrat. Say, I, I was an Oklahoma Democrat right. for a while, and that's functionally a third party at this point. It's not the same thing as a Sacramento no, Democrat. It, 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 even even uh, Howard Schultz would have been too liberal for that yeah. Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And now he is... He's not welcome at all. He is he's considered what a conservative. Yeah. And I think he would have a better chance of uniting the real Democratic voters than any of these crazies that they're running. I think you're right about that. I mean, we're, we're at she's not eligible to run, but we're at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez versus Howard Schultz. I think he, Howard Schultz would ultimate she would have a much more excited and uh, yes. an angry base, mm-hmm. he would have a much whiter base. Were he able to get the nomination? Yeah. Uh, but as you as you pointed out, he is drifting dangerously into math, and that is not something <laughs> that is particularly accepted or well liked right. right now right. in Democratic circles. Right. But Ocasio Cortez is, I think, a gift to conservatives all around the country. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because it's well, I, I say I she is. Come on, she would be. She is, a, is such an easy target for comedy. She'd be easy Sarah Palin material yeah. uh, on Saturday Night Live if she was on the other side. She's No, that's true. She's not, um, she is not a policy heavyweight. But I'll tell you why I'm worried about her, though, is I think she's actually – I think she's doing something that's very clever, which is with a 70, 70% uh, tax rate, mm-hmm. she knows that's not going to happen. What she's doing is she's shifting the Overton window on the whole debate, and it's already happening. You can watch mm-hmm. this if you watch CNN or you watch some other media programs where they're like, now, is 70 really that high? What if we did, you know, 60%? And I'm like, ah, I see what you did there. You just mm-hmm. nudged the whole conversation about mm-hmm. you know, 40% higher than I'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, really? Or, that's, or, or, that's, that's actually more than that. 70. It's, what, it's about 37 right now. Yeah. Is that the top marginal tax Yeah, I think it's about 70% yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, higher than I'd like it to be. Yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe that's just maybe that's just me. I mean, I I, uh, I I I want a boutique government. This is what I've. This is the new term I'm trying out, Glenn. Because the the small government that summons these various things, boutique government that I can fit in my glove compartment. That's what I want. Yes, I would. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, the problem here is, is that's not the way uh, our country is headed, at least with the Democrats. And I think. While Ocasio-Cortez may be the Overton window mover now, I think she's a serious player for many in the party.